As you all know, I use Anchor FM to record all of my podcasts. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. Anchor has all the tools that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And to top it off, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, y'all, it's completely free. Free 99. Download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Hello, everyone. Today is our third episode of Black and Blooming. It's your host, Dahlia J here. What's good? What's popping? You know, it's Wednesday night. I know you've had your classes for today. You're probably tired. You're trying to relax. And that's why you tuned into my show, because not only do you want to be educated, but you also want some relaxation. So today I have a guest here. So can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, um, I am Winnie Philemon, and I am a student journalist at the Reynolds School of Journalism. Awesome. Okay. And today, uh, Winnie and I are actually going to be talking about colorism. Hey, so, you know, before we decide to start, I just want to go ahead and play you guys a little song, get you in the mood, get you ready to go, because... That's what's popping. Brown skin girl, your skin looks like rose. The best thing in the world, never change it for anybody else. And brown skin girl, your skin looks like rose. The best thing in the world, never change it for anybody else. Singing. She says she really grew up poor like me. Don't believe in nothing but the Almighty. Just a little jeans and a pure whitey. She never dreamed forever be nobody wifey. Yeah. She want I mean a pretty but your heart is a miss. Play you like a villain cause she caught in a way. Tonight I am walking away. Nine to five mine on a grind. Yeah, yeah. Tonight I might fall in love. Depending on how you owe me. I'm glad that I'm calming down. Can't let no one come control me. Keep dancing and call it love. She fights it by falling slowly. If ever you are in doubt, remember what mama told me. Brown skin girl, your skin just like pearls. Your back against the world. I never tried you for anybody else. Brown skin girl, your skin just like pearls. The best thing in all the world. Pose like a trophy when Naomi's walking. She need an Oscar for that pretty dark skin. Pretty like Lupita when the camera's closing. Drip broke the levy when my Kelly's rolling. I think tonight she might break her brave. Melanin too dark to throw her shade. She minds her business and winds her waist. Go like 24K. Okay. Tonight I might fall in love. Depending on how you hold me. I'm glad that I'm calming down Can't let no one come control me Keep dancing and call it love She fighting but falling slowly If ever you are in doubt Remember what mama told me Brown skin girl Your skin just like pearls You're back against the world I never tried you for anybody else Brown skin girl 
topic of colorism so I went ahead and did a little prior research you know just to get a little background so we're going to talk about the origins of colorism so first of all some of you might be sitting here like colorism what's that never heard of her don't know what she is but I'm about to tell you so the definition of colorism according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, is prejudice or discrimination, especially with a, in a racial or ethnic group, favoring people with lighter skin over those with darker skin. So there you go. That's what colorism is, according to the dictionary. So um, can you tell me when you first heard about colorism, Winnie? So I took a race, gender, and media class last semester, and that would be like the first time that I ever really like heard of like the actual term, whereas like experience it, it's like a whole different like, you know, like story being like a black woman and stuff like that and just like having to deal with that. But in terms of like just hearing the word in itself, it took until I took like the race, gender, and media class before I actually heard like, whoa, okay, so this is the term that's like actually for it. Okay. I think that's fair to say. So you heard about it basically when you started taking this class. Okay. And what did you like kind of learn about it in this class that kind of made you be like, oh, I've definitely experienced this? <laughs> um, so one of the biggest like things that we analyzed, for example, was the documentary 13th. And we analyzed basically like how um black people and like people in the Latino communities are most likely to like get arrested and stuff like that and be are most likely to be put in prison 
and stuff like that. But then, like, within, like, one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that, like, even the difference in treatment, like, within, like, the black community, like, if you are if you have a lighter, like, skin, um, they tend to treat you way better. So, back in the time, like, during slavery, like, you know, so, like, um, lighter skin, for example, would probably be, like, in the kitchen. And then, like, people who have, like, a darker tone, they would be, like, out in the fields and, like, having to work more, having to do more work. Whereas, like, you're more favored if you're, like, on the light skin side. Okay. And that actually brings me into my um, research that I did. So um, for my research for this, I was like, I know colorism is a thing. I know that it's very much alive today, but how did it start? Like, how did this become a thing? So I went on this website, it's like thoughtco.com. And basically it was saying how, you know, back in the days of slavery, um, masters and white men would rape their slaves. So there were a lot of children that the slaves were having that were actually fathered by the masters. And so those children who have white within them or Caucasian, they come out obviously they come out brighter than the kids who are just purely, you know, African. And so although they didn't want to claim those children and, you know, they couldn't be like, oh, this is my child, like blah, blah, blah. They still showed some sort of favor over them. And they did this by like when he said, um, having them in the kitchen, allowing them to be in the house while the other slaves were out in the fields picking cotton. And so um, they were given special treatments because of their um, because, you know, they were lighter and because they were the children of the slave masters. And so translating as we as I, you know, dug a little deeper into research. So then I came across the paper, the brown paper bag test. And this is when we get into the issue of colorism within the black community. So. The brown paper bag test was basically a test that was conducted by black people. Yes, you heard it right. With richer or, you know, more well-off black people who had money, who were um, of a lighter skin tone, would conduct this paper brown, this brown paper bag test. And if you weren't lighter or, you know, the same shade as the paper bag, you weren't getting in. You weren't let into certain parties. You weren't let into certain spots. And... Yeah, that's basically what the brown paper bag test is. I was very shocked and appalled and disappointed in my fellow, my um, my ancestors to learn about this personally. I mean, I find it kind of interesting because it's only up until recent years that we even see like the whole movement of like melon popping, you know, black girl magic. Like it's up until recent years that we really now see like people appreciating like you know, being a darker tone, whereas like it's always been like if you're light skin, you're held to like a way like, you know, you're seen like you're up here, you're all the way up. Whereas like the darker you are, you're seen like way on the lower like class within like the black community. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> I feel like I don't know. I don't want to say it's a fetish, but I feel like almost in a way it, that's kind of seeming like what is to become what it's becoming because it's like, oh, like she dark skin, like she darker than the the night sky, like and it's like I don't know if it's genuine. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I don't know if the support for darker skin melanated black people is like actually a genuine like we actually want to uplift these people or if it's just like oh this is what's in right now yeah and I think <laughs> it's funny because it's like especially with like light-skinned 
you know how people would be like, oh, you're, you're acting like a light skin. So there's that yes. hustle thing, this connotation <laughs> that like people who are like light skin, you know, they have higher standards. They mm-hmm. treat people a certain type of way because, you know, they they have that half um, white or like a quarter white or whatever within them. Right. So then it brings me to what you're saying about the fetish, because then I feel like with like the darker skin tones, it's like, no, that's like the real black. I mean, it's, it gets weird when like people mm-hmm. from like other races like come in and are just like, yeah, I want someone that's like black, black. I don't want like a light skin. I don't want someone with that personality. I want someone that's dark as if like, because you have a darker skin, you don't have that same high standards as someone who's like light skinned. Right. It's, it's really weird. And me personally, um, I don't know where I fall on the spectrum. I like to say I fall in between the spectrum of light skin and brown skin, but I'm definitely not darker skin. So I will accept the fact that I do have some light skin privilege and I know that I do. Um, Why are you laughing? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I see what you're saying with that. Cause I mean, let's, let's take a minute to talk about the whole like, light-skinned men because let me tell you all my life all my life I knew I knew they would always be like don't mess with light skins don't mess with light skins and they weren't talking about the girls they were talking about the dudes so did you ever hear that I definitely did and men who are light-skinned like there's also that connotation like they will mess you up. They will <laughs> they'll literally essentially mess your life, which is the way that like they've kind of been portrayed. So like your whole life is like, no, don't get yourself, you know, a light skin. Like you gotta <laughs> find someone else. Like <laughs> it's like you can't do that. Yeah. And I remember being like, so my perception of what a light skinned dude was, because I didn't really talk to them, we didn't have a lot at my school, was that he either only liked biracial, like white and like biracial as in like mixed with white and black girls, or he was only into white girls. That is what my perception of a light skinned dude was. And I was like, I can't compete with that because I am neither white nor biracial. It, it's just that ain't what I am. Um, And so like, people would always say that to me and I was and so like me personally I don't think that I was I can't I don't think I've ever in my life been attracted to a light-skinned black man who wasn't a celebrity I have to put that disclaimer out there like in real life I don't think I've ever been attracted to a light-skinned um black man just because I had that negative connotation in the back of my head like He's going to be like, he thinks that he's better than me or I'm not up to his standards because I don't have enough white in me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like for me, I would say it's a similar thing, but I felt like be like growing up and being like African, it was always weird for me because like they always treated like me at, like it's not even like I have like an accent, but like it, it was just because I was dark. They always treated me like different and I always like felt that and it was just always weird for me like really uncomfortable so I didn't even like light skins they were just push (laughs) a lot out of my head I didn't even think twice I didn't even think once like I was like I already know how y'all gonna treat me y'all gonna act like I'm an African booty scratcher so (laughs) so I'm gonna just skirt out of here (laughs) oh my gosh um so can you think of like a particular instance where like you experienced like racism like within the black community or just 
among like maybe some fellow black peers of yours where you noticed that you were treated differently because you were of a darker complexion? I would say so like in high school, a lot of, a lot of the time, like if there's like a group of like black people and I would like walk by, I would hear like whispers and like laughters. And I remember there was this time in like um, high school where like I shaved my head, my head off and um, I would like walk and they would like take videos and like pictures and stuff like that. And then they would continue with that whole like African booty scratcher thing. And I didn't think it was funny. So I was just like, um, okay. And it just made me like really uncomfortable. But oftentimes like within the black community, I feel like they never failed to let me know that like, I am not African-American. Like there's never been a failure within that. And it's just, it's always been fascinating to me because it's like, you know, we're all black, but then like within the community there's a huge separation between like, is your type of black acceptable or not? So can you go into more detail about that? Like, I never, I actually never even knew that. I knew that it was a thing on like the other side of the spectrum, which I'll get into after, you know, you're done. But I never even thought about it like that. Like them making it a point to make it obvious to let you know you're not African-American. Like, can you go into more detail about that? Yeah, so usually, so there's this thing where it's like um, with African-Americans and like Africans, it's kind of both things. So like Africans are more like, you got to pull yourself by your bootstrap. Like, you know, you got to do that. And then I think because of that, it makes like African-Americans feel like we see like, I guess ourselves like above them. And then because of that, it creates like this tension. And it it's always difficult because it's like, even the way you talk, it's it's more like, oh, you're just assimilating. That's what you're doing. So like the way you talk, they're like, why do you talk white? Do you just want to be white? You want to be like the white people like you want to. And it's not even just that. It's just like, no, I just grew up in a white neighborhood. So like that's just what it is. Or it's um, so if it wasn't even if it wasn't the way like I spoke, it was the way like I dressed. It was like like wearing like because there was a time where, like, wearing headbands wasn't, like, a popular thing or, like, whatever. So it'd be, like, wearing these. It would be, like, or, or, or like, black people would, like, just assume, like, I speak, I don't know, like, that weird language. And it'd be, like, like oh, oh what does that language? mean? What does that mean? Yeah. That's like, hella racist. And then they, like, go around asking me, like, what does it mean? I'm, like, I don't know. I don't, like, speak that. But, I mean, I guess, okay. Like, and so there's, like, a lot of that. And so, like seen through it it was just interesting to see to me because I was just like wow like it, it it's not personally for me like as an African it was not an easy thing to get into like or be a part of the black community because there was always a difference it was more like they treated me like I was trying to be white and then like they were the true black and I was just essentially being white and that's kind of how it's always been so I'm always like oh okay I guess hmm. and you should probably tell everybody that you're from where you're oh, from. <laughs> so I'm from Sudan, but most people don't know that. And, and sometimes I don't say it because then I don't want like that conflict. So usually like people, when they see me now, they just assume that like I'm African-American and I just like grew up in a white neighborhood or whatever. But like, I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm actually African, but okay. It's funny that you say that, see that because there's like two sides of the spectrum where it's like they were being racist to you. Yes, racist. <laughs> um, and like clicking at you and everything and making jokes about it and whatnot. And then it's like the other side of the spectrum. Before meeting you, I don't think I actually knew anyone who was 
like straight up from Africa. Like all my friends that I had were like African-American. Um, but <clears throat> I remember watching this video one time by like Chizzy Duru and she is from Nigeria. And so she moved to the US, been living here for quite some time. And she was saying that like before she moved here, she really could not like stand I guess like African-Americans because she felt like they were like we were assimilating and like we wanted to be white and we didn't know anything about our culture. And then she looked back and realized that it's not that we were trying to assimilate. It's that we didn't have that opportunity that she had to like be born in Nigeria, be born with her roots, to have the opportunity to be exposed from to her culture from the jump because people like African-Americans born and raised in America um, we were stripped from our roots because our ancestors were slaves. So like, it's like two sides of the spectrum. And I feel like people not, um, as a black community, us not having that open dialogue, that really just creates more tension mm -hmm. when it's like, if we, I feel like if we just talk to each other about those things and be like, okay, so this is where I'm coming from. And this is where you're coming from. Like, it's not easy on either side. Then that would allow for a little bit more unity and less discrimination. Yeah. I mean, I see it even with, like, my family. Like, oftentimes, like, people from Africa or, like, even the Middle East or, like, other parts of the world, they tend to see, like, African-American. Like, me growing up, it was, like, oh, African-Americans, like, oh, they, they get portrayed as lazy. They get portrayed as, like, like, for example, even the N-word, like, people are like, well, they don't have to use the N-word. They sound ignorant. Why can't they just talk proper? Like, I hear all of that, and I'm just like, no, because that's, like, their culture. But I think, I agree with you, I think there isn't enough dialogue going on because everyone just has misconceptions of what, like, each person's, like, culture is, as opposed to coming to an understanding. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> and, um... I just thought of an example. This this episode is very on the fly, if y'all haven't noticed. But, you know, we like that sometimes. Um, when we were talking about, like, you being from Africa, me being African-American, I thought about the one time it was my freshman year of high school. I still lived in Illinois and I went to a predominantly white school and it was in a really small town. Like the graduating class, I think, was 30 people. So that's how small it was. And um, I remember there was we were watching this movie in our history class about like slavery, like they and it was really graphic. Like we had to have our parents sign a waiver because there was like nudity and abuse. And then there was a part where they were like throwing like they showed like in the movie, like them throwing like the slaves onto ships and um, taking them from their homeland and how like they were even slipping and falling off the ship into the ocean and drowning. And other black people in that classroom thought that it was funny. And I was just like, what? And at the time, I thought it was ignorant of them to be laughing in the first place because it's like, that could have been your great, 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 great grandmother, grandfather. Like you do realize that our ancestors were slaves, right? Like you do recognize that, that that happened to our ancestors. And had we been born just a couple hundred years earlier, that could have been us too. And I thought it was very interesting that they thought that it was funny and that they made jokes about it. And they were like, well, it was just funny, like how like, you know, like he slipped on the on the boat because it was slippery and fell off and everything. And I just kind of see like, what do you feel like your take on that is? I have an answer for me, but what do you think? I think that majority of 
black people use humor as a way to cope with it. So that's kind of the way like I see it. So like one of my friends, um, for example, he was telling me this week about how like um, he went to predominantly like white, white institution and basically like people would bully him like all the time for being Asian. And then he said that it got to a point where he just joined them in the jokes and he would just like now make fun of like Asians. Him, him, like he himself would make fun of like Asians. And and he talked about how like it drove him into like depression because like he didn't like that fact. But I feel like within the black community, especially because we don't talk about like depression, oftentimes we don't talk about like seeking help from like therapists and stuff like that. I think a lot of these things like weighed on us and we know that like like these are things that like our ancestors like our ancestors went through. These are things that like um, we even are still going through in terms of like racism. But I think that like we use humor as a way to cope with it, even though on the inside it does like hurt to see that. I just think like when I hear that, I just see them more like trying to make fun of it because it's like, can you imagine like you're in a predominantly white like, you know, institution. And I see it all the time because in most of my classes, I'm like the only black person. And so we sit there and then we get into these like different topics, right? So like in the race, gender, media class, there was like two of us that was black. And like, so by the time we talk about slaves, we talk about black people getting shot. We talk about all these things. Like it's so uncomfortable because you're the only black person there. Or like in my recent, um, in my storytelling class, we had someone who was an ex-KKK come in. I'm the only black person other than the professor. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> how else do you like deal with it or with this idea that like, this is really like your ancestors past or like, this is really like my reality. Like, and I think humor is just a way that like, from what I've seen that like the black community uses as a way to cope. Okay. I think you're right on that. I really think you are. Um, at the time, I just thought they were stupid and they were super ignorant, but I think that you're right that it really is a thing where like they were using that to cope because to actually sit down and like, think about like how everything went down and how you were stripped away from your your um, roots and how like your ancestors were like stolen from their homeland, raped, made into slaves, like tortured. Like there's so many different forms of torture that we still don't even know about that they had to endure. It's really, really sad. Like it really makes you want to cry because it's just like, why why were why because of their skin tone or because of their way of life or their way of living were they seen as so much less than these other people when it's like at the end of the day we're all human um i could be wrong I mean, I always could ask one of them because I actually have her on Snapchat, but <laughs> we don't talk like that. But I feel like part of it was also because like that disconnect where it's just like, oh, that couldn't be me. That's not me. That was like them. That was back then. And I feel like colorism kind of does play a role in that because like <clears throat> as like the time goes on, as we go on like mixed babies like the mixed baby like fetish trend we're going to talk about that after the break but that whole thing um sorry the mixed baby fad that's what I'm gonna call it um like that whole thing I feel like it was them thinking like okay like these people are like really dark they're like straight from Africa I'm not from Africa like that's not my reality I can't relate to that like that wouldn't happen to me in that sort of thing so I feel like in that moment they were like I'm so disconnected from these people because 
I'm not from Africa. Like, I'm not that dark. Like, you know what I mean? I don't have those same facial features. And I feel like that was part of why they felt like it was funny, but also going along with the fact that it was a coping mechanism because that is the harsh reality of the world that we live in. I, yeah, it's just, to me, it's always been interesting. I know, like, it's hard, like, when you see, like, this is your reality. I remember, like, the first time I ever got called, like, the N-word, I I remember, like, I went home and I literally cried. And I was like, God, like, why in the world? I remember I literally asked God, I was like, why did you, like, make me black? Because I just didn't understand, like, why, like, because of, like, the color of my skin, like, this person or whatever, like, had, like, so much, like, hatred. And I think that this whole, like, self-love, like, melon popping or whatever I feel like we're almost we're getting to that point in society where like black people are learning to love like themselves and you have like other cultures that are constantly stealing things from black culture right Mm -hmm. and so we're finally getting to a place where like we're learning to love ourselves like despite other people like hating who we are or the way that we we've been made and I just I think it's just hard like it's very very like difficult altogether. And I myself, am still, I feel like I'm still learning just about it all together. Same. And me personally, I can say this. I have never in my life been called the N-word. Never in my life. And I genuinely feel like it's because I'm of a lighter complexion. I feel like if I, because all my darker skin friends, all my life, I don't know why, but all my my best friends have always been darker. I don't know why, but y'all just be, I don't know, y'all just some real good friends. And I noticed that like probably last year, I was like, I wonder why that is. Oh, well, they're good friends. <laughs> and I feel like all of you guys have all had people call you the N-word, all of you. My friend that I go to church with on Sundays, she's a darker complexion. She's been called the N-word. My best friend who goes to school in Illinois, she's been called the N-word. There was literally a dude, like I was in the same room when he called her that, like in our class. Mind you, this dude dated black women, dated black women. And that's how you know that it does not make a difference. But that's for an, that's a topic for a different day. Um. And like, he didn't call me that, but my re- but she didn't even know how to react. Like she got mad. And the funny thing was, it's not actually funny, but it's just ironic. She told the teacher and the teacher did not do anything about it. He wasn't sent to the office. He wasn't suspended. He, nothing, nothing happened for him to call her that. She didn't, and I was just like, I really just do not genuinely understand like the injustice. And me sitting there like I didn't even know how to react either because I wanted to defend her but the only way I could think to defend her was to throw hands but I knew that we weren't going to win that battle (laughs) if I decided to throw hands so I just I felt frozen in that moment and I really do feel like the fact that I'm of a lighter complexion that I haven't been called that word um it's it's due to like colorism I think it's definitely due to that Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think the reason why people also like don't face consequences for using that term is oftentimes people just see it like, oh, it's just a word. And I'm just like, it's the most frustrating thing ever because I'm like, it's not just a word. Like, you know, it's definitely, especially when it's coming from a white person, it's definitely not just a word. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like if another black person like said it, we'd probably like make it into like a joke and we call it a day. But like, especially when it's coming from a white person, it basically, it 
it basically exerts their power over us all over again. And that's what it does when they use that word. It basically sits there and it says that like, we are of a superior race and that the black race is essentially, you are down there just like you were a hundred years ago. And that's like the sad reality of it. And I don't know, it's like sad when you just think about it, that like nothing will ever really be done about it. And these people will never face any consequences for using that term. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys, we're going to go ahead and take a little break. I'm going to play you two songs because that was a lot. Okay. And I'm sure y'all like, okay, this is heavy. So I'm going to go ahead and play you guys two songs, get you thinking. We're actually going to get started with Miss Lauren Hill because she's phenomenal. Yo, remember back on the bully when cats used to harmonize like, (laughs) yo, yo. My men and my women, don't forget about the dean. This is not the most the king, yo. It's about a thing, uh, yo. Feel yo. real good with your hands in the air and lick two shots in the Since you were looking for your friend The one you let hit it and never called you again uh, Remember when he told you he was about to uh-huh, Benjamin's yeah. You act like you and him, they give him a little trim to begin Now you think you really gonna pretend Like you wasn't down and you called him again Plus when you give it up so easy you ain't even fooling him If you did it then, then you probably can Talking out your neck saying you're a Christian A Muslim sleeping with the gin Now that was the sin that did Jezebel in Who you gonna tell when the repercussions spin Showing off your ass cause you thinking it's a trend girlfriend Let me break it down for you again You know I only say it cause I'm truly genuine Don't be a hard rock when you really are a gin Baby girl, respect is just the minimum When you still defending them now Lauren is only human Don't think I haven't been through the same predicament Let it sit inside your head a million women in Philly pen It's silly when girls sell their souls because of sin Look at where you be in Hair weaves like Europeans Fake nails done by Koreans Come again And it's him and his women, him and his men Come in the club like hooligans Don't care who they your fan, poppy yang like you got yang Let's not pretend The one to pack pissed out by the waist, man Crissed out by the casement Still the name of this basement The pretty face man Claiming that they did a bit, man Need to take care of their three and four kids Been the face in court case When the child supports late Money taking, heartbreaking Now you wonder why women hate men The sneaky silent men The punk domestic violence men The quick to shoot the semen Stop acting like boys and be men How you gonna win when you ain't right within? How you gonna win when you ain't right within? How you gon' win when you ain't right within? Uh-uh, come again
this conversation so before the break I guess you could call it we were talking about how I I brought up this example about how I talked about how my freshman year we watched this movie about slavery in my history class and two black people which I was really shocked were laughing about like the slaves being thrown onto the boats and everything and I just I really could not believe it but yeah so 
moving on, another thing that I wanted to bring up was hair products, the hair industry, which is safe to say that the black hair industry is mainly marketed towards women. So I'm just going to go ahead and say how I feel. So I remember when I first like started doing like natural hairstyles, because growing up, my mom didn't perm my hair. She didn't flat iron my hair. Um, I got a perm one time and that was to make it easier to deal with my hair, quotation marks. And then there was another time that I wanted a perm because it was like, I did not know what to do with my natural hair. And I thought that there wasn't anything to do with it. I thought it was just there. And so I was like, I want to perm. My mom was like, are you sure you want to perm? Like, if you want to perm, like, you know, you need to take care of your hair. And so I got a perm and <clears throat> they, my hair was also flat iron because I got like a bob cut. And like the next day that I went back to school, like I got so many compliments. I was like, Mind you, still went to the predominantly white school. Um, I got so many compliments. They were like, oh my gosh, like your hair, like it looks so good, like blah, blah, blah. And I felt like elated. Like that was the first time that I felt like I was cute. I felt really pretty. And it was because I had a perm and I had my hair straightened and it was in a bob cut. And, you know, as the story goes, perms is not, perms are not your friend. And so my hair started breaking off because I was what? me 14 I didn't know what to do I didn't know how what taking care of your hair with the perm was supposed to be and the fact of the matter is um when your hair is our hair is not meant to be permed like it's not meant to be chemically strained and so if you do that unless you're using high-end products and you're getting these treatments every week or something your hair is gonna start to break off eventually that's what it's gonna lead to and you know some people may disagree but that's the reality of the situation and so inevitably my heart my hair started breaking off and all my life I had you know a pretty decent amount of hair and my hair was just not 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 having it and so fast forward my granny started braiding my hair um and I would just you know wear my hair in braids and stuff and she would do different styles of my hair and at that time I wasn't combing my own hair which sounds really ridiculous like a 14 year old not combing her own hair but again I couldn't French braid I couldn't do any of those things and that was the only thing that we knew how to do like that was the only thing they taught me how to do I didn't know what twist outs were I didn't know what any of those things were. So I thought if you didn't know how to braid, then, you know, you don't really have anything to do with your hair. And so eventually, you know, my grandmother, you know, she's in her 50s. She was in her 50s. And it's like, you know, she can't comb my hair forever. Like, this is not realistic. And so I started going on YouTube and looking at different like tutorials on like hair. And at the time, I didn't realize that there was a difference among like black hair textures. Um, Eventually, I discovered that I was 4C, but I didn't realize that I, you know, about the difference amongst textures. So I was watching all these videos with girls who um, were biracial, who had looser, curly hair, and they were using these products. And I would go to the store, buy these products. They were not working for me. They would be telling me, like, their techniques and whatnot. And, you know, I would realize that it's not working for me. And so I was just like, okay what's what's going on like why is this not working for me and even watching those commercials I was like um I when they started like coming on tv and it became a thing like I would see mainly girls with looser hair textures in those commercials who were marketing those products so 
that's a new subject. Go ahead. I mean, so, okay, so I also went to predominantly, like, white um, high school, and um, I, one of the first things, like, I noticed was that, like, when anything pertained to my, like, natural hair, um, it was only white students who would comment on it, who would say, like, oh, my gosh, yes, queen, or, like, whatever, but, Mm -hmm. like, within the black community, I think there's been a long embedded, like, history or whatever of us, like, having to have straight straight hair or having to attach, um, you know, artificial hair or, or, like, fake hair on our head in order mm-hmm. for us to be pretty, beautiful, or, like, whatever. And I see it time and time again because, like, even, like, me being African, um, I have a lot of African friends and um, they, them or their mothers, like, would be like you you have to you have to relax your hair you have to relax your hair and i'm just like nah i'm okay lazy like i'm not gonna sit here and relax my hair for what because it takes a lot like to relax your hair mm-hmm. and i think it's something that's really push in the black community and i think it goes in with what you're saying like that idea that we need straight hair that we need to look like what these white people look like or whatever meanwhile it's like god has given us like whatever hair type that we have and like my sister um with her hair type she stopped like braiding her hair she's like i don't want to attach fake hair anymore i don't want to um do anything to my hair i'm just gonna rock whatever hair like god gave me and i realized like with her like people like bash her on a daily basis and she's been doing this for three years now every time my mom sees her my mom's like she's given up on life <laughs> like except she hasn't like oh I'm, I'm, I'm like she hasn't given up on life she just decided that she didn't want to like add things to her hair and she also didn't want to straighten it and i just think like to me it's just very fascinating how like a lot of us like within the black community we're not happy with like our own hair we're not and those commercial I I remember for the longest time I felt like the natural like hair movement was only meant for um for either biracial people or like people with very loose curls Mm -hmm. and that's I mean essentially if you even look at just the whole natural hair movement thing and you see the products and you see the commercials and even go through YouTube like you'll realize that that's all it's meant for it's meant for that looser texture and even that looser texture once again ties in i mean there are white people with loose texture hair there are plenty of white people who have curly hair exactly and so we we go back to that because now curly is the thing that's in you know yeah and so now it's like people getting perms to have curly hair again exactly and it's only in and then within the black community it's only in if your curls are loose but if your Mm -hmm. curls are not loose and you pop in with like what you have like people look at you like what and and that's the one thing like i'll say like i think going back to the comment that i made about how like you know white people like um they take a lot like from black culture which is one of the things i noticed is like they're the ones who in my experience have appreciate like our natural hair for being like what it is like you get what i'm saying like without Mm -hmm. adding things on or stuff like that but within the black community like we make fun of you know, people like this is girl. Call it nappy. She said That's that. Call it. Exactly. This is girl. She came in um, where I work. So at the center. And she was saying that uh, that her hair looks pretty. Like it's so beautiful. But she was talking about how like she never felt comfortable. She's never showcased like her real like natural hair ever. This is her first time ever in her life. And she was so scared. She said she was shaking. Just like, and, and I was like, wow, like this is really like where we're at. Like in our own like community, this is how like people are feeling. They feel like they can't just 
come with their hair as it is. Like they always have to have something attached to it or they have to like have relaxers or perms done to it. Right. And I feel like the whole issue with not wanting to, how do you say it? The whole issue with not wanting to showcase black women who may have curlier hair that's more coarse, um, such as type four hair, is because I think that it's just too black for most people. And I think that's the reality of the situation because the thing about it is uh, a a black person who has loose curls and is of a lighter complexion or even a dark complexion, because there are plenty of dark complected people who have like loose curl patterns, um, that could be the same hair texture as a white person who has like 0.2% black in them. And that's the thing about it. Like you're not going to come across a white person who has 0.02% in them who has type four hair. It's just not a thing. And so I feel like the reason that it's such an issue when it comes to showcasing black people who have that hair texture and calling them nappy or saying that they never do anything to their hair is because it's just too black for them. And that's just sad, though. Like, it's um, it's a really sad reality, which is why, like, you have which is why you have like children who are being, you know, their hair being relaxed, their hair being perm without like their consent is just happening. Like you don't have a choice. You just start off with straight hair and like, that's about it. Exactly. And I, that's speaking of children, let's, let's talk about the mixed baby fad for a few minutes. Um, we have like 10 minutes left on the show guys. And I do want to give us time to play our last song, but let's talk about this mixed baby fad. So I'm gonna let you start on this one, Winnie. Um, it's plain and simple. People don't like dark babies, so <laughs> so they would like a nice, you know, white dude to, you know, have uh, kids with. So that way their kids can have a looser hair pattern so they don't have to deal with it. So that way um, their child will have it easier so they don't have to deal with a, hard, with a harder life or whatever. It's just one of those things. I think they just think being light-skinned or being... Um, Everything of what a like light skinned person is is like giving their child a better life. Mm-hmm. Ooh, say a lot of for the people in the back. Hey, you know it's funny that you mentioned that because my boyfriend he is he's Mexican and so like. I feel like there have been comments made to me like, ooh, you know, if you guys ever get married and have kids, you guys are gonna have um, really cute kids and they're gonna have that good hair. And I'm like. What's good hair? Because little little did you know, I have 4C hair. So what exactly is good hair? Because it's it's just really offensive to me because no matter what shade my child, my future child comes out or what hair texture they have, what facial features they have, I'm going to love them because at the end of the day, we're all beautiful in our own way. And I think that the fact that everyone is just like, oh, I want to have mixed babies is just like... Like you said, I feel like that's part of it. Like they're like, oh, they're going to be light skinned. It's going to give my child like an easier like life. But I also feel like part of that is just because they're going to have a mixed child and then not teach them both sides of their culture. You know what I mean? Like they're going to have a mixed child who is not going to be woke on black issues because they're going to be like, oh, well, you know. 
my mom's white or my dad's white, so I'm better than you. And like have that type of mindset because there are plenty of white people out here who procreate with black men and women and do not like black people. Like that's just the fact of the matter. And so I feel like by fetishizing it, that's like saying to like this other little girl, this other little boy in this class, like, oh, you know, sorry, you're not light skin. Your hair isn't this type of curl pattern. Like you're not good enough. Like you, you're not going to make it. And I think that's our mentality, unfortunately. Like, as sad as it is, it is our mentality. I know for me, like, in, in like, Sudan or places, like, within Upper Middle East, um, I mean, in Northern Africa, leaning towards, like, the Middle East, um, a lot of people bleach their skin. Like, I mean, my mom does. Um, when I was younger, she was like, y'all ready to bleach y'all skins? <laughs> it was, like, one of those things. Like, and, I mean, it was a decision that, like, I personally made not to, but like one of my sisters, I mean, she bleaches her skin and yeah. <laughs> so it's just one of those things. Unfortunately, like in this society that we live in, like being light skin is means you have a better life and that's the way people see it. And that's exactly why we need to come together and be like, no, 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 no. You gonna treat my darker skinned sister and brother with the same respect that you give me. Um, so sorry that we've run out of time for you guys today. Um, but as you can tell, this is a very complex subject. So we might have to make a part two on this in the future because there's definitely a lot of bases that we did not get to touch on just because it's such a complex um, subject. You have any social media or, you know, shameless self promos that you'd like to add before I play our song? Um, yeah, follow me on Twitter, Philimon underscore C, P-H-I-L-I-M-O-N underscore C. Hey, um, and also I forgot to tell you guys at the beginning. So if you stay till the end, thank you. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate this. Um, but there is now an Instagram for my radio show, black underscore underscore blooming. Um, you can follow me on Instagram um, and you can also DM me like any topic suggestions you would like me to talk about in future episodes, as well as song suggestions. Just so you know, we get a nice little Ed, and leave you guys with this nice little TLC song, I'm Pretty. you
you to me. 